Today ends National Vocations Awareness Week, and it was a great Vocations Awareness Week in our diocese. We began the week with the ordination, as I mentioned last Sunday, with 27 new permanent deacons to our archdiocese. We continued the week talking about vocations on Wednesday evening in our RE classes, and then just this weekend on Friday and Saturday, those new aspirants who are aspiring to seeing if they are called to being permanent deacons through the four-year process we have here in the Archdiocese had their deacon formation weekend. So I had to spend a couple minutes with some of the men on Friday evening. I got to see Kirk, I got to see Amy there, and it was always great to continue to foster vocations in our lives and really to live the life of holiness to live a life seeking to embrace God's love and his gifts is a life that's seeking vocation. Ultimately, what a vocation is, is a unique calling for each and every one of us given to us by God that helps to lead and direct our lives. Now, when we talk about vocations in the church, we hear about vocations to the priesthood, vocations to the religious life. But there's also vocation to marriage, which the majority of us, the majority of y'all, will be called to. There's also that beautiful vocation to the consecrated single life as well. No matter which way the Lord calls us, we are called to live that life of vocation in vocation, dutifully, in service, seeking to embrace holiness. Because everything we do in this life, we are called to remember, as we hear of in this weekend's readings, is not for this life, but in fact is for the life to come. That every gift that God has given to us has helped us in this life to turn from sin, to embrace his love. The irony, though, of God's love is he loves us so much that two things happen. One Nothing we do can ever decrease that amount of love. And two, he loves us so much that he will allow us to say that two-letter word that we learn at the age of one and a half. No. Many times we say those words in our lives to the Lord, and when we choose sin, that's what we're saying. You're being like that child that says to your parent for the first time, no, I don't want to do it. It doesn't stop with the terrible twos. It goes on to the horrific threes and the teenage years and really until the Lord calls us home. We refuse to do things that we know are best for us, that our parents know are best for us. In fact, I can tell you, at least 20 times off the top of my head where my parents truly knew what was best for me, but I, in my ignorance and in my pride, thought that I knew better. I wish I would have said to myself and said to my parents, no. But unfortunately, my parents allowed me, as God allows me, to fall flat on my face. Because I'm one of those people that doesn't learn from other, other people's me- lessons. Anybody else like that out here? Where you can't learn from your older siblings, you have to make those same mistakes yourself to actually learn and grow through them? Well, it's nice when you can make that mistake once and learn from it. 
It's not quite as easy when we learn, or we don't actually learn that lesson, and we've made the same mistake 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50, a million times. And those are the things that we call habitual sins. <laughs> those vices that turn us from that love of God and instead to love of self. But that's not what the Lord is talking about. He's talking about how do we best embrace our life of holiness? How do we live out and discern through the vocation that he has called us to? Because ultimately, at the heart of every person's vocation is the same gem, that pearl of great price. It's the love of God. How can we best live it out? In fact, I've talked about before in my own vocation story, one of the things that I struggled with the most in seminary and even joining seminary was I don't want to disappoint God because I had the wrong notion that what I do, God responds to positively or negatively. It's kind of like how we do sometimes when we're watching sporting events. Oh, my team lost because I didn't watch the game properly. I didn't wear my jersey. I didn't hold my tongue the right way. No, sometimes you don't have any effect on that. But just like we become coaches from the couch, we become sideline coaches in life as well. We want to yell at the screen the same way we want to yell at others that we see doing things wrong. And yes, I may have yelled at the screen yesterday and said, Lincoln Riley, what are you doing? Alice Grinch, let them tackle somebody. For those Sooner fans, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But whether I yell at the screen or not, does it ultimately make a difference? And does yelling at my neighbor make as much of a difference? Well, normally if we get yelled at, we don't normally have a good response. Does anybody like to be yelled at? Anybody? Nobody? But why then is that our first response? Why is that our first go-to? We want to castigate, to chastise each other, to tear each other down because we think, I'm doing a good deed by telling them how they're wrong. Yeah, there are more pastoral ways to do so. And that's what I've been trying to figure out as a priest is how can I challenge others, challenge myself out of love, not out of pride? Because many times we want to challenge each other not out of love, but out of pride. I'm right and you're wrong, and that's all there is to it. But then I don't know about you, I was that ornery kid that learned no really, really early on. And to this day, I still use it more often than my office staff and parish council would like. I said, no, we aren't going to do that this way. Oh, but Father, it's something we've done forever. First of all, I guarantee you, if that is the reasoning that anything is given to me, I'm immediately going to say, well, let's overthink that. Let's, let's just rethink about, is it the best thing we can, can be doing? Because just because we've been doing it that way forever doesn't mean we can't adapt, doesn't mean we can't mold. Change isn't bad. It's not a four-letter word. In fact, we are called, and not just encouraged, but called to change every moment of every day. Because Christ tells us, as Paul does in Scripture, we are called to be people in the world not of the world. But how many times do we allow the world to dictate our actions, to dictate our desires, to dictate our very thoughts? But if we're doing what the world wants us to do, are we truly 
living out that call that Christ has for us? I'd wager to say probably not. It brings up that quote that I've had multiple times since I've been here. What's popular isn't always right. What's right isn't always popular. We've heard that. We've lived that many times as Christians. I was talking with, um, interviewing, doing some of the interviews this last week on Catholic Radio. It was interesting listening to Archbishop Coakley's vocation story. And listening to the vocation story of some of the other priests that came in. And for many of us, we were active in our high school years. And then we went off to college. The four-letter word for our faith, I guess you could kind of put it as. We called it freedom for the first time. I'm free. Because for most of us that are active as youth and young people, we are so because we have to honor number four, our father and our mother. I want to be active so they don't get grounded. I want to be active so my parents let me go and hang out with my boyfriend, hang out with my girlfriend, and go out and do things that are fun, right? Wrong. You're called to be active members of the faith in our adolescence, in our adulthood, because Christ is calling us to live out that faith that is instilled at us and in us in our baptism, rooted in us through the sacraments of initiation, confirmed in us through the sacraments that we can continue to experience every time we come to the Eucharist. Many times we look at things for the wrong reason. Well, why do I go to Mass? Why do I have to go to Mass? It's all about the semantics sometimes of words actually mean a difference. I can remember saying growing up, do I have to serve again? I can only imagine some of you guys have had that same thought. Isaac's like, I served last week, Father. Really? Two weeks in a row? Come on, man. And every time that I've served, you've called me out in the homily. Really? I don't want to do this ever again. Don't get there. But many times, my dad would be sure and certain to remind me, you don't have to serve. You get to serve. Seeing it as an honor. Seeing it as something that is a blessing in my life. Do I have to go to Mass? No, you get to go to Mass. Because if we don't go to Mass, I don't know about you, but if I don't come to Mass, first of all, there is no Mass if I'm not here, or another priest is here, but if I don't personally go to Mass, I feel like something is lacking throughout the week. I feel like I'm missing out on a blessing, a joy, an amount of peace that God is seeking to give me. A message sometimes that the word of God can only present to me. As Christ said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. The word of God is living and true in our lives, in our faith, but only as much as we allow ourselves to possess it. And so do we seek to do what the Lord has called us to do? Do we listen to that very soft, at times, voice of the Lord telling us right from wrong, letting us know where we should be when we should be there. Because he does speak to us, my brothers and sisters, and the more we long and yearn to hear the voice of the Lord, the more we will finally do something about it. It's so easy for us to blame God. It's so easy for us to point the finger to the world not being perfect. 
What are we doing about it? What are you doing about it? We learn at the age of one or two that sometimes if you complain, you get your way. You learn as an adult, rarely does that happen. As, as an adolescent, for me, anytime I complained, I didn't get a bless your heart, I got a suck it up, buttercup. Anybody else get those words? Or give those words? It's like, she tells me that all the time. We all go through this. Because the reality is life isn't fair. Well, it's not fair. Life isn't fair. But the Lord is just. There's a difference between justice and fairness. The Lord gives us everything that we truly need. Many times, though, we don't realize what we need. We want, we want, we want. But the Lord, my brothers and sisters, I promise you, will lead you, will guide you to the best way for you today to embrace his love. Because the Lord will call each and every one of us home. And that's what he was speaking of in today's gospel. This day and hour that none of us are aware of is there for each of us. We talk about how do you live your dash, that moment from your birth to your death. Because we each have that death date where the Lord calls us home. And it's ironic, and I've talked about this so much because we miss it so many times. The thing that we long for the most, the only way to attain it is the thing that we dread the most. Heaven and death. The only way to get there is to die to this life. To die to ourselves as we know it. And death truly is, my brothers and sisters, a blessing when we look at it in this view of eternity, that God has given us everything we need here to embrace his love, to share that love so that we may return to him in love. You've heard me say that probably a hundred times since I've been here, but how many times have we heard that last part and glazed over it? That he gives us love to embrace it. But he wants us to embrace it so we can return to him in it. That's that part that's the most difficult for us who are left behind. But for those of us who go and pass from this side of the veil to the next, our call is the same. That call to holiness. That call to love. That call to prayer. So I ask you today, how is the Lord calling you to respond? May not be in large ways, probably going to be in small ways each and every day. But he does call. How is it, though, that we are willing or not willing to respond when we are called?